Erev Tov, good evening. Thank you so much for having patience with me this week. I've been uh, I've been okay, Baruch Hashem, but I wasn't able to make it to the earlier shiurim. And I thank all of you for sticking around and being here tonight, Baruch Hashem. We have finished a number of introductions to Agadah from different Chachamim, from different generations and different times and different places. And now is our chance to bring it home again with another teaching of Chacham Uziel, Harav Ben Tzion Meir Chai Uziel, Arav Shalom, the first Sephardic chief rabbi of the state of Israel. If you look in the Google Classroom, you'll find under the classwork section many PDF files under introductions. One of them is going to be the introduction of Rabbi Ben Sion Merachai Uziel. You want to open that up to the last essay that's in there, which should have, it should look, it should say Ma'amal Yud Tet. I don't actually know how many pages in it is to the PDF, but it's going to be the last essay. So look for the last chapter in that section. And tonight, Harav Uziel is going to be laying down the groundwork for this essay, which we're going to do together, most likely this week and next week, and then concluding with the writings of Harav Chaim David Halavi, which will wrap up for us everything I wish to tell us about Agadah and its relation to Halakha, and lead us right into the beginning of Masechet Barachot. Should come to us by the Holy Spirit to us. Bezalat Hashem. We recently had a guest here in the Kila who threw a sentence at me, something along the lines of, "You know, we know here in Kila Shal Shemaim, you guys are really into halacha." But you don't know anything about Agadah, about the world, about Musar, about Emunah. You guys just deal with Halakha all day long. And something turned on in my head. In which this person is living a fragmented Judaism. It's symptomatic of a world which is fragmented in general. You know, we have in our Akila an upstanding medical professional, who always says that in Western medicine, you see that you have many kinds of doctors. There's a foot doctor, a hand doctor, an eye doctor, a heart doctor, a brain doctor. Somebody can be a brain surgeon. You ask him a question about your leg, he has no idea what you want from him. You ask the doctor for your heart about your eyes, doesn't know what you want from him. Everyone is so zoomed into something, kind of like you're trying to read something like this, with your nose to the paper. How much do you see? You see just what's right in front of your nose. There used to be a world in which a medical professional, a doctor, was expected to be holistic. Holistic in the sense that they could see everything. They knew how to zoom out and to fix everything. Much of the Western world, by the way, my wife will tell you, that in the mental health field, in the shift towards a chemical scientific approach to medicine, to mental health, there's so much less care for the human being, his soul, his heart, his mind, and so much more of this quick fix. How can we medicate this patient instead of healing them? 
Rambam, Allah Shalom tells us that crucial to healing one's body is healing one's soul. That somebody who was truly a doctor would know that it's not about physical versus spiritual. This whole conversation, which by the way, Hasidut brought a lot of into Judaism. You see a lot of uh, different Hasidic Rebbes. God should bless you in the physical and in the spiritual. I would challenge you to go back to earlier sources and find this false divide between physical and spiritual. If you would take a Kohen Gadol in the Bet Mikdash and ask him about physical versus spiritual, he wouldn't know what you're talking about. We're here to treat everything. We're here to aspire to this level of Kiddushah. As one Chacham in our generation mentioned, holiness with a W, to be whole. There are so many Jews in the world who when they look at Torah, they see fragments. They see a little bit of Torah, of Chumash, they know a little bit of Gemara, a little bit of Mishnah, maybe a little bit of Halakha, a very little bit of Halakha, very little bit. Maybe some Emunah, some Musar. Philosophy, maybe in today's world, a New Age philosophy, cloaked like Judaism. And they have this, this shattered understanding of Jewish reality. And then suddenly they meet a Chacham, or Chachamim, who take all these fragments and weave them together into something beautiful. And they cannot get enough. Because what looked like a world that was shattered is really just this beautiful picture that nobody before knew how to put together. Harav Uziel is painfully aware of what Harav Kuk mentioned last week. That there are many who think that if you invest your time in Agadah, you won't be able to invest your time properly in Halakha. That if you study this side of Musar and Emunah, how are you going to become an expert in Talmud and Halakha? Harav Uziel today came to speak about the relationship between Halakha and Agadah. Seemingly opposites. Let's read together. Ha-Halakha ve-Ha-Agadah I'm not going to keep translating those words. Hen achayot umot. They are twin sisters. Sisters. They're not the same, but they're twins. Shtehen novot They're two rivers, two wellsprings that come from the same source. They flow from the same source. Mayan ma'im chayim. A wellspring of living water, whose waters will not falter, will not disappoint. This is based on Yeshayahu in chapter 58, Pasuk 11. The writings of the Tanakh is the source of all of this. Whether it's the Torah, it's the writings of the Nevi'im, the prophets, the writings of the Ketuvim, this book or these books are the origin of both Halakha and Agadah. It is the book of human history and its Torah. The history from the beginning of time, all of the secrets of the world. And both of these rivers give birth to many more fresh streams 
of fresh and pleasant water. Ha-halakha v'ha-agada, halakha n'agada b'chiburam v'hitlakdutam, when you combine them and fuse them together, domot le'ilan shatul al-mayim shegizo etan v'chazak. Rabbi Uziel, you're reading poetry and you're trying to understand regular concepts from a, a soul, from a mind, from a heart that is, is transcending worlds. They're like a tree that rests that is planted by a river with a strong trunk and strong roots. Shekol ruchot shebaolam lo yizizuhu mimkomo mimamado that no matter what kind of wind comes, no matter what kind of hurricane comes, tornadoes, this tree has its water, it has its roots, it has its tree trunk, and it will not budge. Sholach perotav ve'anafav lechol ruach. It has the ability to send its branches out in every direction and to give fruits in all those directions. Ve'hu ra'anan ve'hadu b'marehon. When you look at it, it's not spread thin, it's not worn out, it's not suffering from the weather. It just keeps getting more fresh and more powerful and more beautiful. Ume'utar and it's crowned b'tzitzim ufrachim with flowers and blossoms u'perot mavriim u'mezinim and all kinds of fruits which restore health and satisfy nourish people. Marhivim et ha'ayin u'mesamchim et halev berecham v'ta'amam they benefit the eyes, they make the heart happy with their taste, with their smell. The next pasuk that Harav Uziel mentions, the editor here must have done something interesting. He quotes Daniel 9, but really Daniel 4, pasuk 9. And the spelling that I have in my Tanakh is different than the spelling here, but I'll read it anyways. Afe shapir ve'ineve sagi u'mazon which in Hebrew means I'm based on Rashi. Its branches are beautiful. Its fruits are abundant. And there's enough nourishment in this tree for every creation on earth. Like in the Midrash of our rabbis. These are the halachot, the best translation I could come up with, the halachot that rejuvenate. And the halachot whose smell and taste are like apples. The Torah, which is made up of these two parts, halacha and agada, is that much more strong that much more beautiful, that much more powerful, and that much more nourishing when it's combined, when it is wholesome, when it is able to give all of its power to the world. Ha-halakha v'ha-agada mashlimot zo Halakha and agada complement each other. More than complement. They complete each other. Agada she'ena mevuseset al halakha, Agada which is not based, which is not rooted in halakha, hi keperach novel, is like a flower that is wilting. It's beautiful, but it's wilting. It's going to die. Vahalakha she'en ima agada, and halakha which is not accompanied by agada, 
היא כאילן שנטלה ממנו תפארתו והדרו. It's like a tree, but a tree which has no leaves, which has no branch, which has no beauty. It's just a tree. I remember living on the East Coast. It hit me what winter was. Winter wasn't just snow and cold and unbearable weather. You know what winter was? You look out into the world and you see no colors. No trees, no plants, no flowers, no fruits, almost no animals, no insects. The world goes quiet. And it's brown outside. There's nothing glorious or beautiful about the horizon. Yeah, it snows. There's nothing beautiful like snow in the morning. You wake up and it's coated in a pristine white. Give it an hour. And with human beings, destruction and trucks and smog and smoke and footsteps. And it turns black anyways. Muddy. Ice. And then the spring comes. And this whole landscape transforms. What you in California see maybe every day. Six months out of the year, it doesn't exist. Halakha, which is not accompanied with Agadah, it's life, but it's the bare minimum of life. It has no beauty to it. It has no glory to it. But what good are the flowers and the fruits when they're detached from the source of life? They sit on the table and wilt. Flowers on Friday night look really nice. Shabbat day. Come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're already falling apart on your table. The water begins to smell. The colors lose their radiance. That's Agadah, which is not based in Halakha. Much of the problem that we witness today in the Jewish community, those who are trying to teach us all kinds of spiritual ideas, moral ideas, ethical ideas, all kinds of deeper Torah, you cannot teach me the secret of the Torah if I don't know the Torah first. You can't teach me the hidden elements of the Torah without first teaching me, I'm, I'm, I'm even assuming there's such a thing, without first teaching me the Torah. What good are flowers that wilt on the table? And those who complain, but the Torah that you're teaching me has no, no beauty to it, has no radiance to it. You're right. Both of you are right. You need each other. And not having each other is unhealthy. We're living in a fragmented Judaism. Where emet is scattered. Where truth is separated. And there are many truths that people experience. But how rare is it for them to find the truth with a capital T which is all those other truths woven together into the Torah Adonai Timima Meshivat Nafesh. The Torah of Hashem, which is pure. Meshivat Nafesh, which restores a person's soul, which rejuvenates a soul. Midrash Halakha Hu Lechem Chukenu The Midrash of Halakha is the bread that we live on. It's our staple. שממנו אנו ניזונים בחיינו הריאליים והמעשיים. הריאליים, I guess that's the word he's writing. Says of Uziel that halakha is the source of life, it's our staple, it's our bread which we live our real and practical lives with. 
ומדרש אגדה? הוא תענוגות בני אדם שהן נשמעות באוזני כל אדם. אגדה are the pleasures, they're the extras. They're the things that are not necessities in life. But how long can you live just on the basics? It's the extra. It's the beauty. It's the indulgence in life. That everybody can listen to. Based on the Mechilta and B'Shalach. Be'ava ve'onig rav ve'hem gam inugo shal mikra. They draw people's hearts. They make them love the Torah. They're even... The beauty of the Torah itself. Good wine, which gladdens the heart both of HaKadosh Baruch and man. This next pasuk is in Devarim Lamed Bet. That the foaming grapes is what you will drink. These are the agadot which attract, which draw in, which bring in a person's heart like wine. Both halacha and agada miusadot al aktav urshamav that are based on the written sfugot miruach haTorah vayadut hamesortit. They absorbed all of that flavor, that spirit. of the Torah and Judaism. And they both have, Halakha and Agada, the same lofty goal. A goal which serves the individual and society at large. And which can bring a person to the lofty level of he who created man in his own image. Halakha and Agada don't just serve the individual. They don't just benefit the individual. Halakha and Agada benefit a person and benefit society at large by lifting them up. Lifting them up from the mundane, unusual, godless life that the world lives in. It pushes people to be better. think holier. Any type of halakha which are not based in the Torah and don't attempt to bring a person to this lofty level, that type of halakha is included in the category of he who reveals things in the Torah which are not true Torah. And all kinds of drashot that are, are false. And about them it says, if you look in Bamidbar and Masechet Sanhedrin's explanation of it, This person denigrates, embarrasses the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, shames the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because what kind of halakha doesn't bring a person to that lofty goal? What kind of agadah is just nonsensical? And this leads Rav Uziel 
to take us down a rabbit's hole of, of numerous agadot, which I'm going to get through fast because there's no reason to dwell on all of them, but we're going to read through them if you'll give me your permission. All kinds of agadot where you find among the chachamim, we're used to thinking agadah is some cute part of the Torah. It's some part where the rabbis say, oh, this word sounds like that word and this corresponds to that. Says Rav Uziel, that's not the purpose of Agadah. You'll find throughout the writings of Chazal themselves that those nonsensical, I'm using his words, those derashot shel dofi, our Chachamim themselves attack those teachings. Kol derasha she'ena kitikna v'amituta, any derasha that's not correct, that's not true, mutavla shelo te'amer, it's proper that it should have never been said. V'chen omrim rabotainu z'ron v'chan, so what our rabbis of blessed memory tell us, when the words of Torah are proper, they come out correct from those who speak them. They're like uh, nails that are steadfast in the wall. The truth is that I went into the sources today and I tried to come out with good translations for this. And I, I don't have a better translation than to tell you that the same words of Torah, when they're taught properly, are steadfast. They're powerful. But there's words of Torah which are taught incorrectly. They're weak. They don't bring about any greatness with them. Those words of Torah leave a bitter taste in a person's mouth. On the top of the next page, Kuf Chav Zayin. Ismail has two translations. It could either be a chisel or a blade. Let's use the word blade. With a sharp blade. And very harsh critique. And a slicing, scathingly harsh critique. Our rabbis went against all the Haggadot and the Haggadot our rabbis fought valiantly against all the derashot, all the midrashim, all the agadot that didn't make sense. By the way, recently, I told you a story here in the Bedeknesset. I wasn't in this country and I shared something. I said, that's just midrash. Why do I have to accept the midrash? The pshat is not like that. The pasuk doesn't mean that. And they threw a t- How dare you? What kind of kefirah are you saying? A heresy you're speaking? When you go in the way of Chachamei Israel, when you go in the way of our Chachamim, you cannot be a kofel. Those who are kofrim, those who rebel against our Chachamim, they are the kofrim. Our rabbis, they didn't even show favoritism, even if they were their colleagues, they were their friends, they were their rabbis. He established the Midrash, the Halachot and Agadot. They didn't show favoritism to him. The things about his method of learning Torah, the things he was able to reach. Ben Doro, when one of the things Rabbi Akiva said didn't sit well with Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, if you remember here in the Gemara, it's talking about the frog 
Rabbi Akiva mentions the frog. It was one big frog that covered all of Egypt. It was his colleague. He says, Hamagla, he tells him, Akiva, what are you doing here with Agada? Get out of here. Go to Negaim. Go to Alot. Go study Halakha. Don't leave the Agada alone. You clearly don't know how to learn Agada. Upiresh Rashi, Rashi explains, Go stick to your area of expertise. You're really good at the harder parts of the Torah, the halachic sides of the Torah. These are not just regular halachic sides. The Negaim and Ha'olot are from the more complicated, sophisticated parts of halacha. Go study them, Rabbi Akiva. You're good at that. But get out of the bed of the We speak about Agadah, you don't belong here. Don't leave us, but just be quiet. Sit here quietly until we reach the parts of Torah you're able to share with us. We don't want to hear this stuff. We don't hear the teachings that you have that are, don't make sense. Against Rabbi Akiva, they spoke this way. The Rabbi Yosei the famous Rabbi Yosei Agdili, he also attacked Rabbi Akiva. I'm scared of Rabbi Akiva. I feel bad for Rabbi Akiva. He tells him, Ad matai There, there's interesting uh, conversation, the Gemal Chagiga, where he's comparing a Kadosh Baruch Hu with human beings. He said, how long are you going to turn the Shechina into something not sacred? Are you going to uh, mock the Shechina by comparing it with human beings? says, Go tell Akiva. Not even Rabbi Akiva. Akiva. What did Akiva say? Say, Akiva, Taita. Akiva, you made a mistake. What did he make a mistake about? Over there in the Gemara, the Gemara is talking about man, man that fell from heaven. Rabbi Akiva says that this man is the bread of angels. It was the bread of the angels. Amarlo, he says, Dayecha papus amarlo mata mekayem kran meno mal shatan lefanav shedachim, dechayim vedechamavet, uverelo dechacheret. Here's a different story already. This is a, a different Gemara. In which again, he says, What are you busy teaching these agadot? Dayecha papus, papus, leave it alone. Your agada that you're sharing doesn't fit with the meaning of the pasuk, and you're teaching things that don't need to be taught. They're not true. Rabbi Yudah even told Rabbi Meir, his colleague, what did Rabbi Meir do? He was learning Shir Hashirim. And he mentioned about Shir Hashirim. He mentioned about the bad smell of the Jewish people. He, meaning he taught Shir Hashirim to say something negative about the Jewish people. Rabbi Yudah tells Rabbi Meir, Dayecha Meir, Rabbi Meir, leave it alone, stop. We are not allowed to learn Shir Hashirim negatively, only positively about the Jewish people. That Shir Hashirim was only given to praise the Jewish people, not to say bad about the Jewish people. What does it mean that you should bring me, or you brought me to the wine house? Amra Knesset Israel. The collective Knesset Israel says, "Heviani Hakadosh Baruch Hu lemartef gadol shel yain." Hakadosh Baruch Hu brought me to this beautiful wine cellar, Zesinai. 
That's how Sinai. ונתן לי שם דגלי תורה ומצוות ומעשים טובים ובאהבה גדולה קיבלתי אותם. And over there in that wine cellar, הקדוש ברוך הוא gave me Torah and מצוות and all kinds of good things, and I accepted הקדוש ברוך הוא's love would love. בסגנון יותר חריף, ניער רבי טרפון ברבי אלעזר המודעי, המפורסם בדורו בתור דרשן גדול, רבי טרפון in his generation attacked רבי אלעזר המודעי. שאמרו עליו, they say about him, עדיין אנו צריכים למודעי. I said, we still need this מודעי. כשדרש דבר שלא היה מתקבל על הדעת, ואמר לו, when he said something, רבי אלעזר המודעי, he was a famous דרשן, he was a famous speaker in his generation. רבי טרפון tells him, עד מתי אתה מגבב דברים ומביא עלינו? How long will you collect nonsensical things? and teach them to us things that have no basis. וכשרבי יהודה דרש לפסוק, רבי יהודה taught about the פסוק, this is in Zechariah, chapter 9, פסוק א', דבר אדוני בארץ חדרך, חדרך ודמשק מנוחתו. הדרך זה משיח שהוא חד אומות העולם ורק לישראל. He spoke about this, having to do with משיח. צעק נגדו רבי יוסף בן דורמסקוט. רבי יוסף בן דורמסקוט screamed at him ואמר, and he said, עד מתי אתה מעוות את הכתובים? How long will you continue to pervert the פסוקים? מידני, שמיים וארץ, I call heaven and earth, I swear on heaven and earth as my witnesses, שאני מדמשק, I am from Damascus. ובו מקום ששמו חדרך. And there's a place there. That's called Chadarach. It's not a Midrash. There's no Agadah here. There's nothing to learn here. It's just a place. Rabbi Nechemiah told us all examples of Midrashim where Chachamim heard their friends teaching a Midrash and they attacked them for it. Rabbi Nechemiah once told Rabbi Yudah, his friend, Yudah, at matai ata okem alenu et ha-mikra v'doresh. How long Are you going to make crooked the Pasuk and teach us drashot from them? Ha'amora lo hises lomar klapei Rabbi Elazar ben Matiyah havalei l'Rabbi Elazar l'midrash margenita v'darash b'chasva. The Amora was not afraid to say about Rabbi Elazar ben Matiyah. that Rabbi Al-Azhar could have taught us a diamond in this Midrash, and instead he chose to teach us a broken piece of pottery. I mean, you had so many nice things you could have said, and you chose this to tell us? That's the thing you wanted to teach us? It's not worth anything. It sounds harsh. It sounds sharp. Of course it does. Because our Chachamim took Agadah seriously. Agadah is not a joke. Agadah is not a game. Agadah is not a word game and play on sounds and silly. It's not how it works. And when our Chachamim saw Midrashim and Agadot that didn't make sense, they rejected them. And they were not afraid to be vocal about it. On top of page Kuf Chavchet. Dvarim elu melamdim otanu. These things teach us. Kidrash Haagadah. Because the teachings of Agadah. Bechol heyoto priya machshava hachofshit. even though it's the product of a free mind we mentioned before, that the Rashot are the rabbis expounding based on their ideas. 
גבולי ברזל ותחומים מסוימים גודרים אותה, ואומרים לדרשן האגדי, דייך, או קולך וחדל מדבריך. That even though אגדה is, is free, it's free flowing, it's a stream of teachings of our חכמים, but it's not baseless. It's not just on a whim. There are iron boundaries where חכמים can say, hey, דייך, it's enough. Go study something else. You don't belong here right now. Sometimes when we study Halakha with our parents, there would be, you know, people studied previously in other yeshivot. Uh, let's say they were used to this pilpul style of learning from other yeshivot. They would mention something of pilpul. I remember once, I'll tell you, Harav Chaim of Brisk, they once mentioned, uh, the Brisk Arav said, Harav Chaim of Brisk, I'm asking respect, honor, uh, forgiveness from Rabbi Chaim of Brisk. When you want to study Gemara and you want to sharpen your mind, go study with Rav Chaim Brisk. But when it comes to learning Shulchan Aruch, ask him to please wait by the door and you learn Halakha the way Halakha is supposed to be studied. Not the Gnai, not Chaz Shalom to say something bad, but there are different Chachamim with different areas of expertise and you have to know when to say, Dai, that's enough. That's not the way it's supposed to be studied. We have a hard time in the Jewish community today. How can you critique a Chacham and still respect him? How can you critique a group of Jews and still respect them? It's why we gave that shiur a few weeks ago about agreeing to disagree. This mentality of throwing the baby out with the bathwater is not our mentality. When you see a Chacham, you say, I respectfully disagree. In this area, we don't agree. So what? And then you have this danger where when you quote a Chacham, Everyone assumes, oh, he quoted the Chacham, he spoke favorably to the Chacham, must be agreed with him about everything. Why? Why does that have to be your assumption? Because everyone else in the world is partisan, Am Yisrael has to be that way also. We're here to search for the truth, not to be partisan. People sometimes get confused, even in the world of halakha. Those who say they always follow the Rambam, there sometimes they don't follow the Rambam. Those who say they follow Maran, there are sometimes, many times, they don't follow Maran. How could it be? Because when there's a rule, the rule is we follow the approach of this Chacham in halakha. It doesn't mean that this Chacham is God. It doesn't mean that this Chacham cannot make a mistake. It doesn't mean that this Chacham cannot be challenged by other Chachamim and therefore you take other things into consideration. This idea of being some kind of uh, blind sheep follower is not part of the Bermidash of Am Yisrael. It's not the way we work. And that's why Chachamim among themselves, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Lazar, please, we're allowed to critique each other. You live in an unhealthy world where any kind of critique is seen as uh, uh, evil. When the Jewish community sees to allow peer review, Chachamim reviewing each other? I believe that's when the Jewish community began falling apart. People became their own idols. There was nobody to put them in check. There was nobody to challenge them, to critique them. Until today. Who can call you out? You have a rabbi? You have a Chacham you study from? Which person or persons would this Chacham ever listen to? just to hear things differently. 
מדרש האגדה. ואין צורך לומר הלכה. אגדה, but certainly we don't have to say הלכה. צריך להיות מכוון לתכליתו. must always be aimed at its goal. People always say, what's the point of this הלכה? הלכה must have a purpose. לעסוקי שמעתה על ליבד ילחתה, it has to be practical. לרומם את האדם ואת העם. It has to uplift a person, an individual, uplift a nation, ולקדש שם שמיים, and to sanctify the name of Hashem. וכדרשת רזה, like our rabbis taught us, בכל הארץ יצא קמם ובקצה תבן מלהם. אלו ההגדות שמקדשים שמו של הקדוש ברוך הוא בהם. What does it mean, the פסוק, which says that the words of Hashem have gone out to the whole world? These are the Agadot that have become a Kiddush Hashem, a sanctification of God's name in the world. Then when people hear these Agadot, they don't hear a little Midrash says about frogs in Egypt. They hear about the glory of Chachamim, the vision they had for the Jewish people, for the world at large. It's a Kiddush Hashem. Avadrashot she'en ne'emot l'shem sicha, na'a, v'chidud yafeh. And all these drashot that are just said because they're sharp, they're witty. Not only are they not wanted, they're not good at all. Megunot, they're, they're valueless. That's not a good word. About this they said, Dilma hava ribi zira mekanter le'elen da'agadata v'tzavach lahon sofre kismet. Rabbi Zira used to mock those who taught Haggadah and he would say, these are books of kisme. The pshat here means that these are books of, of uh, like toothpicks, like twigs. There's no substance in them. Why are you making fun of them? Ask and we'll explain it to you. This is in Tilim, Ayn Vav, where it says, the anger of the fierce will thank you. Sherit chemot tachgor. When the last, uh, when, when you gird the last anger, leolam haba. That's the answer. Marlo nemar ki chamat adam tiyadecha beolam haba. Sherit chamat tachgor leolam haze. They said, okay, well, they changed the drasha about this world, about that world. When he challenged them, they said, okay, that's this world, that's that world. Whether you learn this part of the Pasuk about this world, this part of the Pasuk about that world, it doesn't teach me anything. It doesn't make a difference how you learn this Pasuk. These three words mean X. Those three words mean that. Yeah, and? You ever heard of Dvar Torah on Shabbat? Someone gets up to say Dvar Torah. They speak and they speak and they speak and they speak and they speak. And then you let them finish it and? What's the point? So what if the Korban Pesach, which is brought on Wednesday, who cares? What is the point of what you're telling me? What purpose was there? Yes, you technically said words of Torah. At somebody's house, today, somebody said about Torah. So somebody got up to... Vayomar Adonai Moshe Hashem spoke to Moshe saying. Saying what? Oh, no, that's a pasuk. We learned Divrei Torah. Are you a clown? A letan? It's Purim today. Even a Purim, you can't be a clown. How much more so on a regular Shabbat? What kind of Dvar Torah has no purpose? You go to Bet Knesset, and the one who's Doresh is speaking, I was in a Bet Knesset once. The one who got out to speak spent 30 minutes 
Zuhamat Hanachash, the pollution of the spiritual contamination of the snake from the Garden of Eden and the Vav, the Vav that flips the Vav, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm listening, I'm looking at my wife, my wife is looking at me, one of my friends who was there got up and left, I said, you spent 30 minutes about a snake contamination in other realms, what did he want from us? What did anybody walk away from this meal thinking? That's in Rasha. You read it this way, you read it that way, but you don't. I hear nothing from this. It doesn't teach me anything. This fact, they teach us the attitude of our rabbis about these words of Agadah. These speak preachers of Agadah, they use these words just for their, their speeches. When it comes time to challenge their dvaltama, okay, they, they fix it a different way. They put a band-aid and they solve the problem somewhere else. There's no analysis, there's no thought, there's no deep consideration of the concepts. They just throw things out and you challenge here, okay, they fix it over there with something else. How many times do you feel that? You go to a shiur, you hear something, you listen to a person, you ask a person about a halakha, you push a little bit and you see everything you push, they, they don't have to do with it. Because there's no depth there. You scratch the surface, now there, there's nothing left. Many years ago, when I first came to America, I called out a parent and said, Arav, give me a good basis for a shiur. What should I teach? He said, I'm not going to tell you what to teach. I'm going to tell you what not to teach. Don't teach something you don't believe in. And only teach things that you really know. And don't be afraid to tell people, I'm, I don't really know. It's not my thing. I didn't appreciate that wisdom for a long time. I listened, but I didn't appreciate that wisdom. Until I once was in a situation where there was a program that was made for rabbis. I shall tell you how I got to it. I was in a group of rabbis uh, from different denominations. And someone said, I am a rabbi, I make a, you don't want to know the kind of salary this rabbi made. I have $50,000 a year for somebody who can write my Friday night sermons for me. But it needs to be someone who can write good jokes. Because I need every sermon to begin with a joke. And you'll get paid bonuses for the amount of jokes in the sermon. I mean, the rabbi looking for a stand-up comedian to write him a for Friday night sermons. Then people were applying and this and that. And I was telling somebody, yeah, you know, it's such a, a rabbi can't make up his own Torah. What is he busy with? He can't teach his own Friday night teaching? He wants a joke. You can order a joke book. Well, you can't make up your own thought. And then I, I was introduced to this world of, you know, there, there's programs, and I'm not mentioning any specific program by name, not any community, and I'm not attacking anybody at all. But there are organizations which realize the rabbis they put out in the field, clearly they don't have original novel ideas to teach. So what do they do? They send them these booklets. You can sign up for a class, for a course, or whatever it will be. It's going to be halakha, it's going to be Talmud, it's going to be Perkei uh, whatever you want. It's packaged well, there's a nice title, there's logos, there's flyers, there's brochures, emails, packets, printouts, homework, videos... And the rabbi also takes a class. He teaches you a one-hour class. He takes a three-hour class of everything he needs to teach you in that class. It's like canned Torah, we used to call it in Jerusalem. You can get corn fresh in the store, or you can get the corn in the can. No matter how much you try to make that corn in the can taste good, it's still going to taste like corn in the can. 
But there are people who live on canned corn. You go to this store, and that store, and the next store, all the corn in the can is going to taste the same. You go to this farm, and that farm, the corn is going to taste different. Haraperes' advice was, don't teach anything that you are not immersed in. That's not a fruit of your own efforts. Rabbi Zira is attacking here. You call yourselves Darshanim. But you're not really Darshanim. When I start pushing your Agadot, they fall over. There's nothing behind them. 20 years of thought can go into a shiur. A person could be thinking about something for two weeks, three months, before they're able to speak. And when they speak, sometimes you hear when they speak, it's beautiful. Because it's not something they just thought about in a moment and shared on a whim. It's an idea that's inside of them. When I was learning in yeshiva, I always tell stories about Baltimore. They're not always positive, but this is a positive story. I studied from uh, Chacham, Rabbi Yosef Tenner, Alav Shalom. was my rabbi in 12th grade. But he used to get up and speak every Friday morning after Shacharit. And he would give a speech, and listen, you were hungry, we were 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You wanted to get out of there, go eat breakfast, start your day. But he would speak. He would speak, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, I don't remember how long he would speak. And when he asked, the joke was, what did he speak about? Uh, he told you to not waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Oh, same speech. Now, it was don't waste your life in 52 different ways. 52 different parashiyot, you're going to read different ways. 52 different weeks of the year, the different ways not to waste your life. It's all the same message though. And people used to see that in a light way. Oh, look, he always said the same thing. And then you realize, he didn't always say the same thing. He lived this mentality of Torah coming to tell you, don't waste your life. There are valuable opportunities. And most people waste those opportunities because they're pursuing things that are not worth it. Think about every 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 year old you know. The best years of their life. They're healthy for the most part. They have no worries. Not about parnasah, not about spouses, not about... Uh, not, they're, they're in a good place. Everything is taken care of for them. That's the best years of your... Those are the best years of your life. To learn Torah, to grow, to study anything in the world you want to study, to expand your mind. And how much of youth is wasted on the young? That's a famous saying. There are people who later in life, they finally get it. And if you could give them back the last 30 years of their life to do it over again, they would take it in a heartbeat. But now already they have to worry about other things. They worry about their finances. They worry about their family. They worry about their children. They worry about their parents. They worry about their health. They worry about all the problems that come their way. And they don't have time. Rabbi Tenler's mentality was, don't waste your life. They say about him, that he was towards the end of his life. I saw him maybe a year before he passed away. I wrote an article about him. Rabbi Taylor was in a coma for three days. Minastama was an induced coma. When he got up, one of the rabbis was there in the hospital with him and said, Rabbi Taylor, how do you feel? He looked at the clock, he looked at the date. He said, I feel like I wasted three days of my life. When there's a person who appreciates life, it's not a, a regurgitation of old ideas. It's a constant idea. It's the most powerful idea he could give because this is what he lived. You hear uh, the Talmud is full of 
there were this teaching, the Pumeid, the Rabbi this, Pumeid, the Rabbi that. There's this, this teaching that was always in the mouth of this Chacham, of that Chacham. That's the Torah that they lived. That's the Torah they taught. Because that was who they were. I mentioned to you once here, the Lubavitch Rebbe, has a book on Perkevot, in which he goes through every Mishnah and Perkevot and asks the following question. This rabbi had one chance to share one teaching with the Jewish people. One. Why did he choose this sentence? Why not something else? Why did Hillel choose to say this? Why did Rabbi Yushab choose to say this? One chance. That's what you had to say? And he digs through their lives and their teachings and suggests that this was their essence. This was who they were. You could agree or disagree with the analysis. But the idea is there. You should only speak about things that you can back up, that you know something about. You don't have to be smart about everything. You don't have to know everything. But what you do know, you should know it well. You should know how to stand your ground. You should know to give depth and meaning to the things that you learn. If you'll allow me, let me finish together with you. The bottom paragraph on page Kuf Chavchet. Sifrei Agada Ke'ele Nikra'u These books are called Sifrei Dekismeh The books of, uh, of twigs. Domim Sifrei Akisamim Hameleim Shelot Shuvot Shakosem Meshiv Al-Piyam Oh, interesting. Here he wants to translate Kismeh. It's like the books of the magicians. It's like a book of the sorcerers. I think that's what he's trying to say. They're like the book Shelot Shuvot Shakosem Meshiv Al Piemet Shoalav. You know, you have these people, uh, uh, they do palm reading and tarot card reading and forehead reading and tea leaf reading and coffee grind reading and lead pouring and all that shtuyot that the world has. If you tell me, oh, but there are Jews who do it too, good. Jews also have crazy people. We not, we're not immune to stupidity and craziness. What do they do? You get one of those magic eight balls. You know, you shake it, you shake it, you shake it. Uh, magic eight ball. What is my what is my future going to be like? And it says, "You will have many complicated moments." What did it say? It said, "You will have many complicated moments." You go to a tarot card reader. They tell you a hundred things. Out of that, they get three of them right. Wow! They know my future. They got ninety-seven things wrong. But they know something. It's like those books that no matter who sits in front of them, they're going to tell them tomorrow will be a new day. Tomorrow there's a new chance. I know that. The sun will be rising. In the, I, I know the sun will be rising. But they tell it to you. And that's these, these little answers. They give the same answer they give everybody. Imagine if you open the fortune cookie after you finish your kosher Chinese meal. You see the fortune cookie and that little saying over there that even the one who wrote it didn't understand what it said. Like, wow, that's so deep. Only a fool thinks like that. But there are, there, are, there are divrei Torah that are like that also. There are one size fits all for everybody. This type of agada, the one who writes it, forfeits his portion in the world to come. Has no portion in the olam haba. And the one who teaches it, midbarech. I don't believe it's what it means. And the one who hears it receives no reward. I in my whole life never looked in a book of Agada. Only once. 
הסתכלת, השכחת, כתוב ב-ISR that was written 175 פרשיות שכתוב בתורה דבר, אמירה, ציווי, כנגד שנותיו שם אבינו דכתיב. I saw that it said 170 times in the parashot that was written, and it's a corresponding to the years of Ram Avinu's life. And it goes through all the Agadot. 147 mizmorot sheba tehilim, the 147, it's interesting because we have not that number in our tehilim, the 147 mizmorot, he calls them, in the tehilim, keneged shenotav shel Yaakov Avinu, they correspond to the years of Yaakov Avinu's life. מלמד את תיצ'ס יו שכל הכילוסין שישראל מקלצין לקדוש ברוך הוא כנגד שנותיו של יעקב אבינו. That all of the praises the Jewish people praise לקדוש ברוך הוא, each one corresponds to one year in יעקב אבינו's life. 123 פעמים שישראל עונין הללויה. The 123 times the Jewish people say the word הללויה. כנגד שנותיו של אהרון. They correspond to the years of the life of אהרון. הללויה, הלואל בקודשו, לארון קדושו, לארון קדוש השם. When you say hallelujah, you're saying hallelujah really to ארון הכהן. סזר אבוזיה, אין להעלות על הדעת, you cannot let it enter your mind, שרבי יהושע בן לוי, שהיה מפורסם בדורו לבקי בהגדה, top of page קכ"ט, דרבי יהושע בן לוי, who was the most famous in his generation for teaching Agadah, Yomar al-Hagadah, divrei bikoret kharifa kazot, would speak so harshly, critiquing the Agadah. Aval hadibur mukhrach me'atzmo, shlo ne'emru dvarim ele, ele ha'agadah miminze shara'a ribusha ben Levi pa'am echad biyamav. Rather, Ribiuda ben Levi was not talking about all Agadah. He was referring to that type of Agadah we mentioned before. That he saw only once in his life. Shehi kula devarim shel mabekach. They're all things that are so ambiguous, so, so non-important. Mechusarim kol raayon musari velimudi. They're words of Torah, Agadah, that have no ethical, nor religious, or life lesson attached to them. Kegon, like it says, kol parashot sheba Torah, all the parashot of the Torah, correspond to the years of Ram Avinu. יעקב ואהרון, ושכל הקידושים בישראל מקצה כזה שבו וכל הללויה שעונים הם כנגד שותף של אברהם, אהרון ויעקב, and all the hallelujahs go against the life of אהרון, וביותר מוזרה מאוד, and even more unusual, דרשת the teaching of hallelujah בקודשו, that when you should give praise to הקדוש ברוך הוא and his holiness, לאהרון קדושו, it means to praise אהרון the holy one. Not only do these not make the Torah more pleasant, it's the uh, torment of the Pasuk. It darkens the glory and radiance, if that, those are words, of the Torah. And they said, that only once in his life, in the middle of the night, he was angry and he saw this book of Agadah. And these kinds of Agadot, 
כי שאמרו, that's what they say, שספריהם נקראים ספרי דקיזמי, והכותבה אין אוכל גם הבא, that these books are called the books of the magicians, the sorcerers, and the one who writes them has no portion in the world to come. ולא עוד, and not only that, אלא שגם אם יש בה דבר אמת, that even if they have truth, our חכמים ממסכת ירושלמי say, תקטע ידה דכתבה מפני שהפסולת רבה על הבר המועט שבה. That even if there is a little bit of truth in these agadot, this hand should be cut off. for writing this book, not really physically, don't go cut people's heads. There was no point in having a hand who wrote this book. Why? Because even if there's a little bit of good, there's more nonsense than there is good in the book. Why did they have to write this book? About these books and other ones, When Rabbi Tarfon would hear someone say a drasha that was beautiful in front of him, he would praise them. ובשעה שהיה אומר דבר של בטלה, when they would hear something that was a nonsensical אגדה, היה אומר, he would say, לא ירד בני עמכם, my son should not go down with you. What did my son should not go down with you? The last teaching for tonight, if you look in this big paragraph at the bottom of the page, I'm not going to read to you all of it, there's different reasons, what was going on here, what was Rabbi Dafon trying to say, but he quotes here, somewhere in the middle, you're going to see, the first word on the line is כמו, כמו, go to the middle of the sentence, the word is והרנק. Haranak is interesting that Rav Uziel quotes him. Haranak is Harav Nachman Krochmal. Rav Nachman Krochmal was part of the Chochmat Yisrael movement in Europe. Uh, in America they called the Wissenschaft, uh, the European Haskala, the Enlightenment movement. Clearly it was a big time in enough that Rav Uziel quotes him. He writes in his book, Morei Nebuchei Hazman, It's his modern version of the Morin Vuchim. And I wouldn't quote it for you if it wasn't Chacham Uziel quoting it himself. This rabbi lived from 1785 to 1840 in Ukraine. He was born in Ukraine and died in Ukraine. Haranak Katav, Rabbi Nachman Krochmal writes, Ha'agadot shamanu otam razal hem, the agadot the Chachamim were talking about there, Ha'agadot atfilot shel ma'aseh shedim. They're all these useless agadot about demons and all the whispering incantations on body and illnesses, and the swearing of angels, there are all these, these ideas that the masses, are, they flock to them, and that's what they call the words of Kosmin. And all of those nonsensical drashot that the, the light-headed people really enjoy them, that's what our Chachamim were mocking. Not all of Agadah. Aval dugmaot ha'agadot sheheviyu b'shnei ha'ma'amarim hanal. But these agadot that we quoted, en bahem lo ma'aseh shedim v'dachashim v'lo ha'agadot sh'dofi. This is Rav Uziel speaking already. None of these things we mentioned above don't talk about demons, don't talk about uh, whispering to angels, nothing. Ulidati, In my opinion, the purpose of our Chachamim in writing these words against these type of Agadot, it was to mock the words of nonsensical Agadot. It's teaching Agadah without any practical outcome, without any purpose, without reaching that goal of uplifting people on an ethical level, on a learning level, on a moral level. 
like the teaching we said of Rabbi Tarfon, when he would hear something ridiculous. Says when Tarfon said, my son shouldn't go down with you, meaning I don't want you to drag my intelligence down with you. My wife always says, never argue with a fool. Because a fool will drag you down to his level and then beat you with experience. And unfortunately, many people make this mistake. They say, oh, I want to learn a little bit here, I want to learn a little bit there. The people who you learn from, oftentimes they're teaching. Well, I like some of what they say, yeah, but the rest of what they say drags you down to their level and beats the pure goodness out of you. And Avuziel is warning us, we're going to wade into the waters of Agadah, but not all Agadot were created equal. There's a beautiful teaching of the Tzlach, uh, there's the Tzlach to uh, which I didn't teach you. But there he weighs Rabbi. He says, not every teaching is the same. There are some Chachamim, they're only mentioned once in the whole Talmud. They had one thing to teach us. Some Chachamim that are on every page of the Talmud. Some Chachamim that, that were great rabbis, some not as great. Not all Agadot are created equal. And if you don't know how to differentiate between the Agadot, how will you expect to know to tell them apart? Ravuziel is warning us. And if I could summarize today's shiur, is that Halakha and Agadah are twin sisters. And they need each other. Both of them reach the same goal of making this beautiful tree, which is the Torah, It's a tree of life to all those who cling onto it. And any part of Halakha or Agadah that does not bring a person to life, that does not make a person realize, I gave you a good... Lekach, a good teaching. Torati al don't abandon my Torah because it's the source of all life. If the Torah doesn't bring a person to that place, it's not real Torah. And Ravuziel is warning us already now. Stay away from imposters. Stay away from false Torah that are cloaked in the clothing of real Torah. And Bezad Hashem, next week, we're going to finish this Haktamat Ravuziel so we can begin studying together the writings of Harav Chaim David Hanavi, Bilal Hashem, and we should have a beautiful Shabbat when it comes.